Hello and welcome to Mystery Simon Theater 3000. I'm Simon, and this is a podcast where I'm sharing my VHS collection of almost 3,000 titles. Every episode, we're going to be talking about three tapes that I watched. One is chosen via random number generator. The second is chosen by my co-host. <laughs> That's, That's me. I'm burping. <laughs> Away from the microphones. And then the third tape is chosen by a guest. And that guest is Paul Burke, musician. Hi. Another Portland weirdo. Yep. <laughs> I'm in I'm in bands. What kind of bands? Tell us about what band like rock and what, roll what do bands. You do I play guitar. I sing. Uh, I'm in like five bands. Uh yeah, uh Money Vegas like a Money Vegas sit in the shivers sit in shivers is basically like a rock and roll band. Uh, what else? Uh, I've got uh Lobato Men, which is a Ramones cover band We're playing a show on December 23rd. Tent Club. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> We're doing a bunch I... of Christmas songs. For a long time, you were in a band, or I don't know if you're still in a band called Scourge of Ian's. Oh yeah, lo- yeah. loved Scourge of Ian's. We are actually we ha- we played a show at the end of September, and we are going to record uh, a whole new album actually coming up. News to me. Nice. Yes, that's we have an entire bunch of new songs that have not been recorded. So Hell yeah, dude! Cool. I'm gonna spend the next two months probably recording two bands. <laughs> I just got done with the Dirty Graves recording, so. And uh, I'm mixing that right now. Yeah. Rad. Cool. Rad. Excellent. Absolutely. And uh, Paul is someone that I've known for a little bit over 10 years or maybe like just around 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We met through uh, me organizing zine stuff. Uh, You were also deep into zines, mostly through Alex. Or was that something you did on your own? I I stopped doing zines (laughs) when I was like 19. I was like, I can't. Obviously, Alex is better at it than I am. I'll just stick to writing songs. <laughs> so that's what I've done. But yeah, uh, I used to do zines. I just don't anymore. But yeah, uh, my partner Alex is heavily into them, as one would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At, the ve- at the very least. <laughs> at the very least. Um, so yeah, that's how yeah. that's how we met. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about the movies we had to watch this week, or name them. That I had to watch. I keep reminding you, you don't have to watch these with me. Alas, I do. <laughs> And I'm worse off for it, or better, depending. This week, it's a week by week basis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the first tape that we watched is 1954's Rear Window, and uh, th- this one I expected to be incredible. I had not seen Rear Window yet. I know we've been watching a bunch of like Hitchcock lately, and that okay. is largely the reason you chose. To watch Rear Window. Yeah, yeah. Um, though I should remind you to not deplete all the good movies. Don't so worry. Quickly. I haven't this week. Um, so, oh, okay. So a music score is by Franz Waxman. It is. It's actually not Bernard Herrmann. Yeah. I was very surprised pre. about that. Well, I, if you said 54, I was thinking, oh, this might be pre. Yeah, yeah. Bernard Herrmann. Um, before we go too far into uh, all the cool things about it, why don't you tell us a little bit about that box art? Sure. Uh, this tape is, like uh, you know, like... Um, this movie was released long before home video was available. So um, this is part of the Alfred Hitchcock collection. Universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah. There, and I think there were some like universal specific trailers on this one. Um, it's it's an okay box art. It has just like a a scene with our characters 
my favorite thing about this box art is just like the the Alfred Hitchcock silhouette that comes in in the corner. Always. And it's in silver, so it's it's a bit of an optical illusion, but you do you do still get his iconic silhouette that he kind of made bank on during Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and it's something in that the sixties. Yeah, you yeah, so love seeing it. It's obviously not the original artwork from the original artwork, but no, yeah. I wish it was. Like whenever we have any of these, uh, like tapes that are of, of an old movie i really like it when it's like like in last week with the search for spock it's like you get just like the incredible poster art and i'm sure there is some really incredible um vintage poster art for rear window but it's and not on that yeah. it's not on here it's it's too bad honestly I, it's, I think it's kind of a dull picture or a dull like i know what's happening in the scene isn't dull it's like you have um grace kelly she looks Oh, like kind of alarmed and Jimmy Stewart's face is covered by a microphone, excuse me, binoculars. No. So oh, it's yeah. like, it's like what's going on there? <laughs> that was a dig at Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just like, um, I understand why someone would choose this frame to put on the cover. It kind of encapsulates a lot of what this movie is. Uh, it's, it's a thriller filled with tension and a lot of it is Jimmy Stewart being a voyeur because he can't leave his apartment. So it's like, yeah, so let's have this still where he is like sort of in and out of looking at binoculars. But I just I think it's a pretty poor choice for your tape cover. All in all. Too bad. Yeah. Uh, what is kind of cool about this uh, box art, though, is because it's part of this like grand collection of Alfred Hitchcock movies, um, part of the box art is dedicated to some trivia oh, so why don't okay. we just like dip into uh, our log lines Ooh. and anything else that this box is trying to is using to try guess to buy it yeah let's do it <laughs> okay so up top we just have yeah like an alfred hitchcock's signature james stewart not jimmy nope in Alfred Hitchcock's rear window. And for some reason, somebody wrote in red Sharpie 100 on here. <laughs> Maybe it's $1. Well, but mm. then... That, that, that might be it, actually. Yeah, $1. See, like, you can barely see it, though. They tried. Yeah. None of Hitchcock's films have ever given a clearer view of his genius for suspense than rear window. See that pun? Oh. Mm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> when professional photographer L.B. Jeff Jeffries, James Stewart, is confined to a wheelchair with a broken leg, he becomes obsessed with watching the private dramas of his neighbors play out across the courtyard. When he suspects a salesman may have murdered his nagging wife, he actively enlists the help of his glamorous socialite girlfriend, Grace Kelly, to investigate the highly suspicious chain of events. Events that ultimately lead to one of the most memorable and gripping endings in film history. Special features include rear window ethics, a look at making rear window. Ethics? That's what it's called. That's what this featurette is called, yeah. like at the end of the tape. Oh, well, lucky us. Mm -hmm. That's actually a line from the movie. Ah, okay. Rear wind yeah. ethics? Yeah, rear window uh, ethics. Yeah. I wonder if it's ethical to watch a man with binoculars and a long focus lens. Do you, do you suppose it's ethical even if you prove that he didn't commit a crime? 
I'm not much on rear window ethics. Just so tired of these rear windows. Ah, oh, boy. I'm just so tired of all these Star Wars. Okay, so the trivia that's on here is we have a small frame of one of the neighbor's houses, um, some jolly bald man doing something, and he's got a little glow around him because that is Hitchcock winding, Hitchcock winding clock in Songwriter's Apartment. Mm -hmm. So at the end of filming Rear Window in 1954, the set was the largest indoor set ever built. And almost every shot of the film, except for the discovery of the dead dog and several other shots at the end, originates from Jeff's apartment. Mm. Oh. Mm. That poor dead dog. I'll take a gander at Hitchcock winding clock. So, oh, okay. Yeah. It's it, kind of fun. Like, I, I looked at it before the movie started, so we had the opportunity to to catch it when it when it happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, I remember you pointing that out. Mm -hmm. Have you seen Rear Window, Paul? No, I haven't. I recommend it. Okay. The trailers on this video were mostly for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes. What now up? I remember. Mm -hmm. Now I remember. Interesting. Yeah. There was one whole trailer that this tape opened up with for Jesus Christ Superstar on video starring Robert Plant. That's not true. It was just a blonde man with curly hair playing Jesus. Uh, following that is the Andrew Lloyd Webber Spotlight Collection, including cats. Help me out here. Something the Technicolor raincoat. That's not right. Joseph yeah. and the, the Technicolor, Technicolor dream coat. Okay. Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, oh, Jesus Christ Superstar. We got Phantom of the Opera. Check no. This no. out. Wow. No, it goes it's straight just into. like the one that I like. That's why it's not on here. Yeah, there you go. They're going to make you buy that separately. Mm. But on the Andrew Lloyd Webber Spotlight Collection is also the 50th anniversary birthday stage tribute to Andrew Lloyd Webber and the only two celebrities worth featuring were Glenn Close and Antonio Banderas. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Because Andrew Lloyd Webber also wrote Evita, which I just put uh, back on the show. Right there. There he is. I when we were watching this tape and I saw Antonio Banderas, I was I was a little confused. I didn't really know he could sing. I don't remember anyone outside of Madonna being in Evita, even though I've seen that tape so many times just being in here. <laughs> and it still confused me when I watched this trailer. Uh, okay, yeah, Glenn, but Glenn Close, I think, would be worth watching that, that stage production for. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, so after all of the, these were all separate trailers, previews, advertisements. Then we go into Rear Window on DVD. There you go. Buy it now. Get it now while it's hot. And then Alfred Hitchcock Collection on DVD. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Uh, but that's it. It was mostly Andrew Lloyd Webber and Hey, Buy This on DVD. Okay. Very specific audience. It's actually, it's, it's a little bit more common. Just the few tapes that we've watched for the episodes that have been out already is... I guess the tapes may be released in 
No, this can't have been the 80-something. Yeah, this is well, got to be 90, 90. Maybe it says the, 82 on the, the print back. might be 82. The print might be 82. Oh, I see. Yeah, but there, and, and it also depends on like who distributed this, who designed the box art. Sometimes there will be a, a copyright for when this was like printed and distributed. Hmm. So, yeah. 2001. If it, yeah, if it has DVD ab- mm-hmm. advertisements on it, it's obviously 2001. Yeah, and so a lot of the tapes that we've uh, watched that were around the late 90s or early aughts will have a trailer for the movie we're about to watch, which isn't... it. it that in and of itself is egregious, but we've seen a lot of them that are just like, hey, you, you want this on DVD, right? Mm. You want this movie I mean, on DVD. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this was... Printed and distributed in 2001. You remember laser discs? These are a lot smaller. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and better, maybe better sound? On laser discs? No, uh, better better sound on DVD. Hmm. I think uh, VHS still, SVHS had better sound than laser disc. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty wild. All right. So if you could sum up rear window in a phrase or a word, what would it be? Edge of your seat. It was It was good. It was as tense as it's been built up to be, if you haven't seen it. You were literally on the edge of your seat. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. I love, that's one of the yeah. things I love about watching movies with you is you're, you act out a lot of what you're feeling. So, like, you, you, you were holding your head a, like, a lot of the time. And I do that, too, but it's, I don't do it as much as you do. Yeah. I'm like a second <laughs> run theater. I'm like screaming at the screen, like all of it, like yeah, mm. yeah. You're doing breathing Full exercises. On physical reactions. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I loved this movie. I uh, one thought that I kept having while watching it was that it would make a really good stage play. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, because it, it like it takes place in in one set, like it takes place almost entirely in or maybe it does take place entirely in jimmy stewart's apartment Mm -hmm. um even though the set is really grand and we have all of these little vignettes into where the neighbors are and how they're living and you know mostly their relationships but we never leave like we don't even go into his kitchen we don't go into his bedroom we just stay in his living room like it would I think it would translate really well into a stage play. And sure. I would love to see uh, like some production designers interpretation of like how to quickly move from apartment to apartment of the neighbors. That would be like that would be such a fun project. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That'd be way cool. Mm-hmm. Somebody do that. Someone, and yeah, send, someone... us, send us a video. Would you rewind? I did rewind. Okay. Right. I like this movie. I love. I, I think I. Yeah, you know, I loved this movie. Phenomenal. I loved this movie. Yeah. All right. So that was Rear Window. What are we talking about next? Lightning Jack. So tell me about the box art. It's not good. It's it's this stars Paul Hogan, Cuba Gooding Jr., and Beverly D'Angelo, who I mostly know from. The Vegas Vacation movie, or like the National oh, the Lampoon National Vacation, vacation yeah. movies. Okay. She plays the mother, and this, I I had to look it up. I this feels like a TV movie, and it's not. Like 
Like this was <laughs> yeah. theatrically released. It had, you know, box office numbers that weren't too impressive. It had like movie reviews that were uh, pretty scathing. Ebert. I agree and, with all yeah. of them. This. Okay. So the box art is our three main characters busting out of a wanted poster. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's supposed to be Western. <laughs> it is supposed to be a Western. <laughs> Uh, it's Paul Hogan, who, you know, was known for Crocodile Dundee, decided to, hey, uh, I'm going to film some of this in the U.S. and in the desert and have fun and write it. I'm going to write this. Total I mean, creative control. <laughs> this is what this, this is, is what Paul Hogan this with mother, total creative control looks like. This yeah. motherfucker wrote, produced, and starred in this movie. Yep. A and the production is something that's kind of interesting as far as movies go the way that money was raised for this movie is actually um a significant story in film history huh so that that is kind of a weird thing about this movie huh yeah well, how paul uh raised the money for the film is that why he mm. chose this because his name is paul no <laughs> yeah. Now I, I, it boiled down to three films, I think, and I can't remember all three of them. But then that was—I was like, uh, I don't know. I just did it as random, and I was like, I haven't seen this film in forever, so <laughs> I had to I watch watched, it at some point. I watched it once on HBO in the mid '90s, I think. Yeah, so Paul Hogan is an interesting just character. I knew him as the Crocodile Dundee, like most Americans my age or even older yep. know him as the Crocodile Dundee. That led me down a rabbit hole of like where, like where does Paul Hogan come from? I know he's Australian, but how did he get to be known in America and around the world as this this character, this Australian cowboy stereotype? Right. And he had a pretty prolific career as a sketch. He had a sketch comedy variety show in Australia, which was very funny. We looked up some episodes. It's actually pretty decent. It reminded it reminded us of Kids in the Hall. Yeah. Like oh, it's I've never seen it. That's nothing funny. yeah, nothing about it is like uh, central to like the Crocodile Dundee character. It is just I have this weird idea and I get to hire a bunch of people to act it out with me and there's a, a joke that's set up. Uh, punchlines delivered and i was just like i was very impressed it, but it was surreal like a lot of the sketches were the kind of surreal that kids in the hall are which is what it, yeah. why it reminded me of them but it was actually one of the things we thought okay maybe if we try to like take the most charitable reason why you picked this movie and like <laughs> it, assuming that you picked it because you Your liked name is it Paul. like <laughs> that's not you why you know who directed it uh, assuming Assuming that you picked it because you liked it, oh. we were we were thinking that Simon, or uh, maybe you were just a big fan of this sketch comedy show, <laughs> which I've actually never like, seen. Which no. you've never seen, apparently. Okay. No, no, um, no. The Paul Hogan show. It sounds like something I would do. It sounds yeah. like I would be like, oh, I like Paul Hogan because of the sketch comedy show. Yeah, I mean, I, if you I, start, I usually run deep dives like that, but I never did with Paul Hogan. 
Although right. I should have, because I want to now watch this show. Well, this, it seems like something like, like, if you were a fan of, like, what we're fans of, like, particularly shows like The, the, like the Young Ones, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then maybe the Paul Hogan show is on your radar. It's on none of our radars. Yeah. And we all love shows and, like, uh, really niche, weird stuff, mm-hmm. like The Young Ones. Yeah. More pe- like, I feel like more people should know about the Paul Hogan show. Yeah, I'm no. gonna I'm gonna go find it and watch it now. <laughs> well, as soon as I can. So we could say now, a ya. lot more, and there's definitely a lot more to say and ask. Right. But uh, before we get there, trailers. We haven't. T- I have not. Are you not done with the box? We didn't start the box. No, we did start the box. We did start the box. We started we it. about the. Okay, cover. so it's a. The tagline is, a comedy about two outlaws who just want to be wanted. I like that. I think it's sweet. It is. And it's... Is it two outlaws, though? Because Cuba is like... He becomes an outlaw because he wants to be one. He robs a bank, so he technically... Well, he becomes one. one, Yeah. Yeah, so technically it is two outlaws. By the middle of the film. He's an outsider as a mute. As a black mute in... Who can read. Who can read. Oh, yeah, that's right. Paul Hogan's character lightning jack cannot read yes he can. he can read he just has to use glasses he, it, oh right he gets to get the glasses out that's right yeah the first few... and he never he's he's really embarrassed about <laughs> he's it. too hard for that the first 15 minutes of this movie confused the hell out of me because i thought we were going with like oh he's illiterate and i thought maybe we're supposed to be sympathetic about that but no right. he he's getting old and he thinks that if people saw him using glasses, it would damage his reputation as a gunslinger, as a sharpshooter. He's like very, very proud of his ability to like hit a bottle cap off a bottle from, I don't know, 100, 200 yards away. And he can. Like he actually never loses that ability in this movie. I like this tagline. I don't like this movie. <laughs> it's too bad, really. So could have been better. Oh, and so that so another thing that I really feel like I should point out about the box art, mostly because I'm a, a designer, and when you look at so many things like of like movie art, like usually the, it follows a certain convention of either not necessarily the way things are supposed to be laid out, but it's it, it's just kind of like a, like very general rules that we follow because they're familiar and people expect. Log line, maybe some pictures, and then credits at the bottom, then barcode, and everything is backwards. Oh, right. It, it starts upside off. down because it's Australia. Oh, right. This is the hemisphere. Like here, in the northern hemisphere. That's how you need to read it. The, this is how the Australians look the at it. The nameless Southland. <laughs> yeah. They can just read that way, Great too. Southern I wouldn't have thought land. that. See, this is why we have a researcher to tell me uh, that I'm looking at the Australian box art. <laughs> okay it's not yahoo serious thankfully <laughs> this movie is 98 minutes long merciful <laughs> merciful it could True. be more merciful <laughs> there's there's a lot that this movie didn't did not need yeah there's a lot that this movie didn't no. need. yeah in this comedy of the wild untamed west paul hogan in parentheses, Crocodile Dundee. See, everything is fucking backwards yeah, about this box. Yeah. Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee, stars as the wild, untamed Lightning Jack Kane. Right. Lightning Jack 
is a legend. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that the whole time. No, don't. I you no, can't do it. I have no you. apologies to the nation of Australia. Lightning Jack is a legendary outlaw in his own mind. He's quick on the draw and eagle-eyed shot at the distance because he has the eagle. Oh, yeah. All right. The eagle tattoo. The eagle eye. And it's like a medal. from an indigenous I... folk person. I almost rolled off the couch laughing when he sh when he showed us his eagle eye. Cherry. It is too funny. He's quick on the draw and an eagle-eyed shot at a distance. It's only close up he needs his reading glasses. You're right. Mm -hmm. Jack finds sharper eyes than his in a young man called Ben Doyle, Booba Gooding Jr., who takes a liking to Jack's heroic style. Hot off the hot off boys in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, Siskel and Ebert mentioned in their review. They were so oh, they, they, they they felt were real bad. Bummed. They were they very felt real bad or disappointed. I mean, I'm sure not all of it is like within his control. I don't know yeah, how. I'm like, sure. Yeah, whatever. He's looking, he's looking for gigs right now. I don't know how all of Hollywood <laughs> works. I just know that it's hard, especially for. It's fine. I get black it. actors. I get it. <laughs> Ben wants to be an outlaw too, but there's only one problem. Ben's mute, which makes walking into a bank and saying, stick him up, kind of impossible. Nevertheless, against the odds, Lightning Jack and Ben Doyle are out to become famous outlaws, and together they pull off a series of hilarious heists, outwitting the sheriffs and sometimes themselves. In a rip-roaring, sharp-shooting quest for fame. Also starring Beverly D'Angelo. By the way. That's so sad. Also, Beverly D'Angelo as Lana, a woman who will keep Jack from behind bars to get him in front of the... Am I... Is the that altar? sound weird? In front of the altar? Are, are sentences backwards in Australia, too? Lana wants to marry Lightning Jack, is what the sentence is trying to say. Yeah. Lightning Jack the is the comedy that's quick on the draw for laughs, the most wanted movie you won't want to miss. <laughs> the most wanted movie you don't want to miss. Let's talk about these trailers. <laughs> let's just get this, let's get Lightning Jack over with. There is one amazing trailer. However, the first one we get is something I refer to as Ray Liotta's Waterworld prison planet oh yeah mm. this one was weird yeah yeah it's also a trailer i've seen before i just can't remember the like the other movie that it's on but i've like i've seen this trailer and it is it is it is wild i think Lan lance is in it yeah lance no escape it's called no it's just called no escape yeah which is really difficult to parse out because it just it's presented like another tagline there's just like tagline after tagline about some this dystopian prison planet and then it's like no escape fade to black and it was like it was that the title of the movie i was not sure yeah definitely just we are white. sure now yeah following that is my personal favorite john waters movie serial mom that's a good one i love that movie we have that movie at home I watched it at least once a year. I watched it maybe like two months ago. Yeah. It's great. No notes. No notes. 
<laughs> Spoiler, she eats a million bowls of Lucky Charms at the end. Uh, one of the, I don't know what to call it, like in a trailer when you have, like they're not quite taglines, but something that Serial Mom's trailer said was like, move over, Mrs. Doubtfire. Paul, we have questions. Okay, mask away. First of all, if you could sum this movie up in one word or phrase, what would it be? Uh, congenial. It's All a right. really nice Western. It's probably one of the nicest Westerns out there. It's not even... It's There's there's really no real villain in it. Is there? Like The mayor. Okay, sure. <laughs> Politicians. Yeah. Like, who's really the evil person? Politicians. And, the, the like, the, the, the gang that's chasing after them throughout the entire film. And then there's the... Hired men by politicians. The indigenous people that were chasing after him for a while. Oh, they were just fun. But that was just yeah. fun part of it, right? Yeah. Well, they were they were the fun part of an interesting movie. Yeah, yeah. actually they were. <laughs> and I'll say this. Your word squares with Simon's thoughts on this film which their our characters have no low points. Right. Mm -hmm. Things just sort of happen in this movie. And it's a series of, almost a series of vignettes. Yeah. Our yeah. characters feel a little depressed at times, but really no, no low points to come back of. No, nothing really to redeem. Or to change their lives in any real way, you know? Well, for, Coo for, Coo for Cuba, it does. Oh, sure. But he's not the main I character. mean, but Lightning Jack also... We're led to believe he maybe got married or is going to get married. I mean, they it's pretty, potential. Is there a sequel? They pretty much ride off into the sunset. <laughs> we got questions for you. We got more. So Johnny would like to know, where were you in your life when you watched Lightning Jack for the first time? That uh, was probably just before I moved out when I was 17 or something. I don't know, was it? Yeah, it's 95, 96. I was just happened to catch it one afternoon before I moved out of my parents' house. <laughs> well, my dad's house, really. Uh, I was working at Denny's as a dishwasher or graveyard shift, and I just quit, I think. Okay. And uh, I was moving down to Salt Lake to Salt Lake Community College, basically. I was going to start mm. college. So okay. I was, like, within that realm. Uh, somewhere in there, like 95. Uh, and it was on a, a cable somewhere. <laughs> Accidentally watched it. So did you, you re-watch <laughs> it a whole lot or was... No, no. I actually re-watched it uh, probably like 12 years ago. And then I re-watched it again last week. <laughs> wow. Okay. Three times almost seems like too many times to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I, the only reason why I watched it is because I was I picked it. So the only reason I did watch it is because of this. <laughs> Otherwise, I probably would have, 12 years ago, me would have been like, yeah, I don't need to see this anymore. But, <laughs> right. you know, okay. Okay. It's, it's fine. I, I, I suspected it had to be something like it was a lark. You and some friends saw it and were like taking the piss out of it. 
Or like this was your it was just me stoner hot couch movie. It was probably more of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just <laughs> right. I was the mid like right at the end of summer, some crappy movie comes on cable and I'm stoned and probably gonna watch the entire thing. Just All right, cause, yeah, yeah, just because I can. I have nobody to talk to about this, and I don't even know if I'm going to admit if I've ever watched this film. Take How much? So many great experiences really start. <laughs> yeah, yep, that was probably it. Cool. I get yep, it. All right. Yep. That that's a that's a satisfying story for me. I didn't okay. uh, yeah. I didn't go out into to look for the film. It just came to me one magic afternoon. <laughs> it left a kind of an impression. Well, I mean, I, I I guess what I liked about it was some of the jokes were sort of funny. There are some jokes that are pretty and they do they do actually land. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, they're very predictable. It's um, there was it, some it, kind of bar scene that I made a note of being funny, and I want to know who wrote it. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Paul Verhoeven wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> The Hogan himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so like one, I think maybe one last thing worth mentioning about this tape is how bad the cinematography was and how poorly composed these shots are. I kept asking myself, like, how do you do such a bad job with beautiful scenery? The scenery in Lightning Jack is beautiful. It's the... The filming locations are yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Utah, they're in California. Everything is Australia. just so poorly, uh, like I said, composed and blocked. Like when you have... What do you call those rock formations that kind of just go straight up? Uh, the mesas. Mesas. So the environment is just kind of full of these beautiful mesas, you know, setting suns, rising suns, and you, you got your two characters on either side of it's just awful. <laughs> just, yeah. Simon, what's your one word? Upsetting. All right. There it is. There you have it. Folks. There's a lot of different reasons why this movie is like part of this. Part of it is just how disappointing this movie is. Mm. Like I said, we have Paul Hogan. We have Cuba Gooden Jr. coming off of Boys in the Hood. We have a beautiful, uh, beautiful scenery. Mm -hmm. And what makes movies like this hard for me to rewatch is just how far things like prestige television has come. Because we are sort of still rewatching Westworld. And like movies like this just don't compare to the quality of something like that, which, you know, is, is, is almost no fault of Lightning Jack. But it's just a reality. Like, those costumes look like dog shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... They look it's... like costumes. Like, that, I w- that was harsh. <laughs> it, they looked like costumes. I wasn't going to take any issue with your assessment. All I was going to say is... Oh, it is yeah. a bananas and apples comparison when you're <laughs> talking about Paul Hogan and a Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Hogan and a Nolan? Yeah. Right. Uh, two of my favorite sandwiches. Um, would you rewind it? It did not rewind this one. No. Tell us what we got next. This is our last movie before we pick a new batch. Hello, I'm Robin Hood. That was a better 
Prince English accent. Uh, that was a better British accent. <laughs> Funny enough. Okay. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. The 1991's Kevin Costner vehicle. There are countless examples of mostly television, I think, and like some movies that depict Hollywood as a money-hungry, cash-grabbing, monster-making trash. No! And they are talking about movies like this. Yep. Things that are supposed to be just like summer action blockbuster, probably casted by committee or negotiated through no audition process. Um, when did that come out? Was it 91? 91. Was it but but was it like during the summer? Oh, I don't know. But I just I just assume that this either came out in the summer or maybe in the fall since it is I think a... it was the fall because I remember okay. ten, was... I was in school. Okay. I remember being in school and it coming out and people going on dates to go see it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, God help me. I'm not going to see that film. Because that romantic ass Brian Adams song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is Let's it, get through this Is it Brian we? Adams? Yeah. yeah. It's not Richard Marks. I say like this isn't a terrible like a photo for the cover. Like I think Kevin Costner looks great. He's got a flaming arrow. It's just I I, I know this movie through infamy and it delivers on its reputation. Yeah. So so In much potential. So every much potential. Now there was a there was another film that came out of the time that was making fun of it, right? With Robin Hood Men in Tights. Right. Okay. So that that was a direct response to this film almost so what is interesting is in our in our last episode we talked about star trek 3 the search for spock which i had not seen before and discovered that actually most of Spaceballs is parodying or a lot of Spaceballs is parodying the search for spock it is yes and now i have this movie which i i know robin hood men in tights is taking a lot of like direct jabs at one of them is because uh, Johnny hasn't seen Men in Tights. And so I looked up the scene where Carrie always just like says to the camera, like, unlike other Robin Hoods, I can do a British accent. Oh, right. It's like big words from a man whose American accent is real shaky. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's better. Wait, is that on my comment or on his accent? On his accent. Yeah, his American <laughs> accent. See Seinfeld old. for reference. <laughs> or saw. I mean, he has like he has a he's been or played American like quite a bit. Like nothing can keep us on track right now. We need to talk about what I mean. This awesome film that we want to talk about. Thankfully, the logline is very short. Very short. So the 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 cover, like I mentioned, is like a, an actually a pretty good hero shot of our. Protagonist, hero, main character, Kevin Costner, as Robin of Locksley. The back is fine. You know, there's only one oak tree left in Sherwood Forest. (laughs) Damn. And it's held up by braces. I am not kidding you. So. How sad is that? This begins with four stars. One of the most spectacular movies ever made, says Arch, Arch Campbell. Oh, good. That's a name, right? I'm not reading that Yeah, Arch Campbell, yeah. 
of WRC-TV NBC affiliate. We're so lucky to have his opinion. <laughs> It'll take what they can get. <laughs> they, this movie needed to take what it can get. And the logline is, For the good of all men and all the love of one woman, he fought to uphold the justice by breaking the law. That's it. That's the logline? Yep. There were no trailers. Not to say that like other movies that are an out. Oh no, this is an hour and two hours, two and a half hours, right? Yeah, it's it's a date movie. It's too it's, long. Too long too is how long, long this movie of is. an hours. It's just meant for the junior high kids to make out in the back. What's your one word description of this movie? Sucks. That one was easy. Trite. Yeah. I haven't seen it in like a long time, and I still remember it as being terrible. So, walking away from it the first time seeing it, never going to see it again. <laughs> Don't need to. Yeah. This yeah. is not a so bad it's fun situation. It is just uh, so bad and, oh, hey, there's Alan Rickman every once in a while. We didn't even say anything about Christian Slater. I did. Which... I said that his accent, like he tried, but his accent was still bad. Okay, okay. See, we'll that's, cut that out. We don't even need to worry about Christian Slater in this film because he doesn't need to be remembered for this film. He's got so many other sweaters. I, I watched Hard Rain this week, and that is a much better <laughs> Christian Slater, Morgan Freeman movie. What's the one where he's got the baboon heart and it came around at the same time? The fuck? That's the one with Mel Gibson. It's called Braveheart. <laughs> no! <laughs> No, I'm talking about the one with the... What's your name? Ah, never mind. I mean, a few things to just close out about this movie is... uh, A problem that I had with the accents is, like, specifically... Like, this movie takes place in the 12th century before there was an accent to be called American. Yeah, true. Uh, What else? The fights seem well choreographed, but I couldn't tell because they were poorly shot. Mm. The montages were the best parts. Mm. Mm-hmm. This movie was hook until it wasn't. Like, like Sherwood Forest looked like had the same production quality of like Steven Spielberg's Neverland. I half expected John Little to shout "bangarang," <laughs> so <laughs> while he was stick fighting. Uh, it's never a good idea to put Kevin Costner in a scene with Alan Rickman. Um, obviously, because Kevin Costner sucks at acting. Also, he's not terrible. He's just not on the same level. Go That's... ahead and defend him. <laughs> Alan Rickman has a better. I hairline. realize. <laughs> yes. Alan Rickman has a better hairline in this Alan movie. Alan Rickman's hair was inspired somewhere along the way by Nick Cave. So it goes without saying. We hit the eject button. You gonna button. rewind this? No, we hit the eject no? button. Okay. Right. Yeah, you you give it back to the the video store unrewound. It's worth the fine. We got another copy of it, so if anybody wants a copy of this movie on VHS, look at how much tape that is. That's let just, us know. We'll send it to you. you. Can't balance that. You pay the Oof. postage. And now for the mystery part of Mystery Simon Theater three thousand tapes. I have to watch this week. All right, and so um, before I dole out these tapes. Next week's episode, we'll be welcoming uh, my friend Melissa onto the show, who is an improv comic. So uh, one of these will be their draw. What is this first one? So 
Probably one of the best films oh. ever created in the late 90s. Just take the one furthest from you first. That's Melissa's pick. Aww. That movie has Alan Rickman in it. So we got another Alan Rickman movie, Galaxy Quest. The finest. Phenomenal. Parody movie. movies. In exi- this is a perfect film. We, yeah, I, I don't have to. My I, one word description is perfect. I, I couldn't say that more. It's actually a perfect film. Yeah. It really is. It's, you watch, you start it and you're like, you're entertained to the end. You're totally. like, this is really stupid. They're making fun of everything. Yeah. And it's like, the, it's the space balls of Star Trek. What is this one? This is the random they be kind. Oh no! It's a double take. Yeah. It's the complete six-hour romantic epic. Scarlet. Uh, Timothy Dalton, right? Yeah, yeah that's Timothy like Dalton. Yeah, it looks like Timothy Dalton. And Joanne Wally Kilmer. Timothy Dalton is also a uh, Gallifreyan. He's part of the Doctor oh, Who universe. He's mm-hmm. a Time Lord. Mm-hmm. He's like the president of the Time Lord Council Whoa. during the David Tennant years. Okay. We got we got oh. Annabeth Gish. All right. All right. Paul Winfield. Okay. Another another Paul. Good old Paul. Our buddy Sheen Bean. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. He's back. Yeah. He's back. Good old Sean, Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Sean Bond. <laughs> Sheen Bean. Okay, and this, so this is your pick? This is a random pick. Okay. Uh, because I can't exhaust all the good films. We lucked out on this one. Did you use the random number generator, or did you turn away and grab I used something? the random number okay. generator. All right. Eight. Ah. Cool. Yeah. That's a good one. Neither Simon nor I, nor I have seen this one. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of people in the VHS community who uh, have some rave reviews for this. Paul. Yeah, there's a you, cult following. It's good. Nightbreed. Yeah. It's, yeah. You, From you will Clive. Enjoy it. Okay, I'm not going to read this, but whoa. Clive Barker. Clive Barker. Is it Clive Barker? Yeah. Is that Clive Barker? Yeah, yeah. Right. I was about to read. I was about to like start reading it, but that's. Yeah, Hellraiser. The next episode. Well, I love Hellraiser. So, yeah, you, you we will love enjoy Hellraiser. It. You yeah. will enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mystery Simon Theater 3000. I'm Simon. Thank you to Paul Burke for being our guest, choosing Lightning Jack, and then coming on the sh- coming to the studio to to talk about Lightning the movie. Jack. <laughs> yeah, Lightning Jack. Before we let you go, oh, yeah, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you, you want to share? Tell the good people who are watching Mystery Simon Theater 3000 or listening. Or listening. Wherever you get your fine podcasts. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically my band Monty Vega is playing December 8th at uh, Firkin Tavern. Tavern. This might not be out by then. <laughs> That's four days from now. Okay, but the 23rd, my, my Ramones cover band, Lobotomen, will be playing at Kenton Club. The world famous. The world Kenton famous Kenton, Kenton Club. Club. Which, by the way, there's a reason why it's called the world famous Kenton Club. And it was because there was a film made there. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So a pilgrimage for film buffs alike. Yeah. So find out which film was made there, and we might be able to do another. If show. you live <laughs> in Portland, I gotta say, if you haven't been to a show at Kenton Club, the world's famous Kenton Club, um, you should go because uh, the sound there is actually pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. So. Yep. Good 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 times. Yeah. Good place. Uh, nice people. Yeah. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for for coming in and recording this with us. Absolutely. Uh, thank you to producer Johnny for orchestrating all of this, for filming it, for you edit it. And Johnny wrote the intro, the intro tunes for Mystery Simon Theater. So thank you for that. Yeah. If you want to be a guest on Mystery Simon Theater 3000, you can uh, hit me up in the Instagram DMs. Uh, please like and subscribe if you're watching our YouTube feed. Thank you and good night. See you. See you on the other side.